Praise God. Welcome again to Lighthouse Christian Church. My name is Dave. I'm the student ministries pastor here. We're excited that you could be here with us. We're excited that you're watching online as well. Uh, we're jumping in and kind of the, uh, this week and next we're finishing up Joshua. Today we're talking about Joshua 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Uh, we're going to spend majority of our, of our time there. We might jump around a little bit. Uh, but Joshua is... Uh, assembling the people of Israel to give a speech, his final words. And there's, there's been some great speeches uh, that are very well known. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream speech. John F. Kennedy, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Abraham Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address. Ronald Reagan. Uh, there's, there's so many incredible uh, speeches that have inspired, that have uh, moved people. But then I also can't help but think of movie speeches, too, that are also pretty well known. Uh, Braveheart, uh, Independence Day, Herb Brooks' speech from uh, Miracle about the 1980 Olympics. Uh, I can't help but think of Rocky. Drago! Not quite that speech, but um, A Few Good Men. And of course, who could forget Emmett from the Lego movie? Of course. Um, but we're picking up here in Joshua 23, and Joshua is kind of giving his final words. He is, uh, is old in age, and he's giving this impassioned speech to the Israelites. Uh, if you wanted to address your family and friends before passing, what would you say? What would be the words that you would choose to use? Um, you know, there's some quotes years ago uh, from a, a fictional character called Jack Handy. And it was called Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. And he would say things like this. He would say, you know, some people are like slinkies. They don't really have a purpose, but they still bring a smile to your face when you push them down the stairs. <laughs> or he said this, one thing kids liked is to be tricked. For instance, I was going to take my little nephew to Disneyland, but instead I drove him to an old burned down warehouse. Oh no, I said, Disneyland burned down. He cried and cried, but I think deep down, he thought it was a pretty good joke. I started to drive over the real Disneyland, but it was getting pretty late. That's it. Um, last one, maybe my favorite one. When I was a kid, my favorite relative was Uncle Caveman. After school, we'd all go play in his cave. Every once in a while, he would eat one of us. It wasn't until later that I found out that Uncle Caveman was a bear. So this, this speech that Josh was going to give is a little bit more info, impactful than what we just read here. So uh, a little bit more deep, actually made sense. So we pick it up in Joshua 23 uh, in verse 1. After a, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord, has, Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought with you. He's saying, you have seen this. You are witnesses of what the Lord has done. This hasn't been passed down to you. You have seen this first hand, your first 
uh, firsthand eyewitnesses here. You don't need somebody to tell you the story. You've seen it with your eyes. Uh, and, uh, and just that God is going to do great things. So don't forget them. Talk about them. Share them. Verse 4. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that have already uh, cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised. There's still work to be done. There's still some people that need to be driven out uh, to possess the land that God has promised, uh, that Yahweh has promised to the Israelites. But here we come to a few of uh, the catch uh, of, of, of sorts, or the th- you know, a few things that Joshua says, hey, God's going to do this, but here's some things that you're going to need to do as well. And so he says this in verse six. It says, therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. So if you're taking notes, um, first thing, there's three things that we're going to pull out of this chapter. There's tons of things, but for one, the first thing that we're going to talk about is give yourself to the Word of God. Give yourself to the Word of God. Joshua was saying to be very strong to keep and do. Read and apply God's Word. They are the words of God. This is something that still applies to us today. Um, there's a, there's a, a recent study done by the Center for Biblical Engagement, and they pull, pulled 40,000 people uh, ages 8 to 80, and they just wanted to, to know how much people are, uh, like, you know, just different, different stats to that they can pull from uh, Bible literacy or just uh, things in general. And, and they actually stumbled on something that they weren't looking for, uh, something that actually became like the whole study. Um, they found that people who read their Bible one time per week, and that could be in church, it could be listening to the Bible as well, if you have a Bible app and, and it, you hear it, so that if you listen to it one time per week, there's no difference. There's, there's none. Two times per week, same thing. Negligible effect. Insignificant in key areas of your life. Three times per week, I heard a pastor say, three times per week, there's kind of like a heartbeat, like something happened, but it was very brief. It was very short-lived. Um, but at four times per week, if you read the Bible or listen to the Bible, four times per week or more, there are key areas that start to change in your life that are affected by this. And it was, a, and four, at four times, I should say, it was a massive like spike in the scale. You'd think that it'd be like one, two, three, four. No, it was like nothing, 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 and then bam. Uh, they saw all this crazy stats when, when they, when in the people that they pulled, 40,000 people. So feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, uh, kids, marriage, 
friends dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Next time, let's go back back for a second. Next time that you maybe come across a friend that just feels like, I feel like I'm stuck, I feel like I'm, um, you know, just... you know, stagnant, or just don't feel like I'm growing, just ask them, you know, how many times a week do you spend in God's word? Just maybe one of the first questions you could ask, just to get a gauge here. 60% uh, of that drops. Viewing pornography drops 61% just by being in God's word four times or more. Incredible. But there's some positives, too. So these are kind of the negative things that drop, things that increase. Uh, Sharing your faith jumps 228%. Discipling others jumps 231%. Why these jumps? Because when you're in God's word, there's this confidence that you have. You're learning more about who God, who God is. You're, you're soaking this in and there's this, um, you know, you're propelled to be like, man, I'm, I'm in God's word. I know it. I want to share what I'm reading. I want to share about this hope that I have. I want to share about this God, that this story uh, that is an incredible redemption story. Last thing uh, is memorizing scripture jumps 407%. This is reading or listening to the Bible four times or more per week. Uh, it makes sense that there's really no difference until you get to four or more. It's kind of how God works in, in our lives a lot of times of like, why am I doing this? this what, you know, what's the purpose of this? And all of a sudden then you see uh, changes. You see things happening in your heart, in your life, and in the people around you. Uh, just some practical helps for, for reading the Bible. One, I would say, if you don't have a study Bible, I cannot recommend enough that you invest in getting a study Bible. Whether that's a, a life application study Bible, an ESV study Bible, a John MacArthur study Bible, like whatever it is, get a trusted study Bible because it's going to bring out things of like, there was this much, um, you know, of uh, this, you know, type of, you know, this shekel was this much, like, I don't know how much a shekel is. I don't, I have no idea. Like, all these things will help spell things out, give you a little bit more context, piece things together. Um, So I would say that, I would say if you're going to go through a book of the Bible, and I've told this to people before, sometimes when they, it's like, I don't even know where to start. You know, sometimes, um, I'll be honest, uh, probably for the last six months, I've pretty much just been reading Romans. Um, call me a heretic if you want to. He's not reading the rest of the Bible. I've really just been like diving into one book to get the full scope of it, to not miss things, not just get the surface level. Uh, and so sometimes instead of like, oh, I'll read a chapter a day or, or whatever, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe sometimes like, you know what? I'm just gonna study this one book and I'm gonna just do it for six months. Take the pressure off of like, I gotta read all this and your friend asks you, what are you reading? Romans, oh, what are you, you know, if you read, what are you reading? Romans, Romans. <laughs> You're still in Romans? Uh, yeah, I'm still in Romans. So um, that would be one thing. And get commentaries that go along with it. Uh, 
Um, Tara Lee Cobble sa says this. She has a, a podcast called The Bible Recap. She says, reading the Bible is not a means to self-help or an attempt to earn God's favor. It's an opportunity to behold the beauty of God and be drawn in by him. It's about seeing Jesus woven through all the pages of the Old and New Testament. Uh, and I would say this, don't look for yourself in the scripture. I've done that way too many times. Uh, the scripture is not about us, although it has been given to us. Better questions to ask could be, what is God, what is God saying or doing in this passage? What does God reveal about what he loves? What does God reveal about what he hates? What attributes of God are displayed? Where is Jesus in the text? Um, I like what Andrew Wilson said when he's talking about how Jesus fought off the devil in the wilderness. He says this, that consider the way Jesus fights. He has the resources of heaven available, yet he fights by using the authority of the scriptures. His position is unequivocal. You're trying to tempt me, but the scriptures have spoken. That's the end of the conversation. Elisa Childers says, to Jesus, the scriptures weren't simply cautionary tales, moral lessons, or advice for self-improvement. He is at the very center of the whole thing. Martin Luther once said about God's word, the Bible is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold of me. And I like what John MacArthur writes, nothing has the power of, nothing has the power of the word of God. No story, no human insight, no philosophy. The word is the only power that can tr tr totally transform the whole inner person. I want to show a video uh, before we move any further. The most repeated question by Jesus during his ministry was this, have you never read? Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the word of God. The word of God is a rock strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror, showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. 
It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first, the last, and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Move on in uh, the passage in verse 7, Joshua 23, verse 7. Uh, he says this, that uh, you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. We're going to press pause on that. We'll come back to that later. Verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you uh, puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Now, if this was a message today, this would be a great spot for Joshua to just wrap up, kind of tie everything together, you know, leave it like, yeah, I just love the Lord your God. You know, this is a nice little bow that you put on that. He continues, actually. He's not done. Uh, verse 12 gets a little serious. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, intermarrying with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good ground that the Lord has given you. Very serious. <laughs> a very serious uh, call there. And the second point here that we see is your friends and who you marry matters. Your friends and who you marry matters, matters greatly. Uh, you are the average of the five people that are closest to you in your life. Uh, who, whoever is in your inner circle matters greatly. Now, I would say, you know, can you be friends with, with non-Christians? Absolutely. But I think Jesus set a precedent of having an inner three and then 12, uh, uh, you know, that were his disciples. But there were, I mean, I guess there was Judas Iscariot, but, you know, in the inner three, his three closest friends were guys that changed the world. Uh, who you have in your life, who's influencing you, matters greatly. Um, it's the same reason that you shouldn't marry a non-Christian. Joshua knew that if the Israelites um, associated with or intermarried with these remaining uh, pagan nations, the Israelites would slowly lose their faith, worship false gods, and then eventually lose a generation. Uh, Joshua was calling out the wheat spots that he foresaw in Israel. 
1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says this, Don't be fooled uh, by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. And this is, you know, I think this is about our friends, um, but I think we can broaden this out as well of, you know, who are you listening to? Uh, what are you taking into your heart? What are you allowing to shape you? What news stations, what shows, what movies, YouTube channels, who you follow on social media? Be aware of what you are being fed. Be aware of what you are allowing to influence you. Ask yourself this question when you are listening to somebody, watching a movie, watching a show. Ask yourself this question. What's the worldview of the person I'm listening to or the movie I'm watching. What is this telling me about the world? To just have your eyes open. How is it different from God's standard? Is there any mention of God um, besides in a derogatory way in the movie? What is it trying to tell me about this? Is this just lying to me? To have, you know, to, to be ready to answer some of these questions. First uh, John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, does this mean that, um, you know, you can't like Joanna Gaines? Well, you know, I don't think so. No, you can't. no I'm just kidding. Um, you know, does it mean that you can't like hot chocolate because the world likes hot chocolate? Or does it mean that uh, I can't wear these nice boots that I like because the world, like, it's not what it's, really talking about. It's talking about character. It's talking about how it's influencing you. It's talking about idols. And really the word idol, uh, I've heard a great definition, anything that you treasure or trust more than Jesus. Anything that you treasure or trust more than Jesus is an idol. We look at what Joshua is saying of like, don't follow the pagan nations and worship their false gods and these idols. We think, oh, those Weird Israelites doing, you know, making mistakes again, but like an idol is really anything that you treasure or trust more than Jesus as believers. As followers of Christ, this, this world is not our home. Our hearts are meant to find purpose and joy in knowing Christ. Uh, who you marry, it's the second most important decision that you will make in your life. Be, the first one being uh, putting your trust and surrendering uh, and repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ alone. Uh, the, num- the, the other one is who you marry. Marrying somebody that isn't a Christ follower, um, but simply because of you know, maybe other qualities. I remember uh, years ago being at a camp when I was a youth pastor in Minnesota, I was talking to uh, as a seventh or eighth grader and he was, he was dating somebody and I just you know went up to him and was like so you know what what qualities do you like about this girl um she's hot uh, oh okay wow really deep um glad you're you know looking past the surface here um you know <laughs> It, the, you know, and let me just say this as a, as a little side note, is that uh, should you marry somebody that you're attracted to? Absolutely. Should you, you, know, should you find the person that you marry, should, should you find them beautiful? Absolutely. But just keep in mind that Lutz is, are, Lutz are the first thing to go. Uh, it's, I'm just saying. 
It's the first thing. That actually wasn't meant to be a joke, but it kind of takes the tension out of the room, I guess. Um, you, know, you, look at, you look at Proverbs, uh, and it says that uh, beauty is fleeting, charm is deceptive, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Why, why is it important to, to not just say, well, she's hot, that's why I'm going to... Like, no, uh, that there's character, because why? Because... God forbid there's an accident that that person could get into. There's sickness, there's disease, paralysis, there's all these different things that could happen, but the character of that person will pretty much remain, and if they're following Christ, they're going to become more like Christ, which means their character is even gonna be more beautiful. And so if you build a life solely on how they look, uh, you're gonna be disappointed, but if you, are looking for somebody, I'm talking to people who are unmarried at this point, if you're looking for somebody that uh, would be, you're evaluating whether or not this person would be a good spouse, uh, the number one thing is, are they surrendered? Have they surrendered their life to Christ? Not just they call themselves a Christian, have they surrendered their life to Christ? Do they put their faith in Christ alone? Anybody can call themselves a Christian, but what is the fruit of their life because of the decision that they've made? What is, what's, going, what's happening in them? Is the Holy Spirit at work in them? Because if you, having somebody that isn't a Christ follower Sadly, you'll probably be at odds at a lot of different things because as Christians, we, we see the world through a biblical lens. What does God's word say about this as opposed to a secular lens, as opposed to an agnostic or atheist lens? You're looking through, through the world, you're seeing everything through, what's God's standard of this? What does the Bible have to say about this? Um, so we move on, verse 14. Joshua is starting to wrap up here. Doesn't get much better. Doesn't get much more positive. Verse 14, it says, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. That actually is pretty, pretty amazing. Not one thing that God promised failed. But just as, the, as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you, uh, you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly off the good land that he has given you. So as you're going today, um, no. uh, not exactly like this hoorah speech, that's how the chapter ends. Uh, he's given some pretty strong warnings. And what we could take from this last, these last few verses here is there are consequences for sin. There's consequences for sin. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, God was 
faithful to keep his end of the bargain. It was a mosaic covenant, uh, basically like, uh, if you do this, I will do this. If you don't do this, I will not do this. Um, it was conditional in some way. It was, it was, it was the Old Testament uh, covenant. It was performance-based. The New Covenant, the New Testament Covenant, is faith-based. You will mess up. Uh, You will sin. But if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives you and convicts you of all sin and unrighteousness so that you repent and come back to the Lord. Um, Paul confirms this in the New Testament, uh, Romans 1, 24 through 25. Uh, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. At some point, God will give you what you want, but he will also abandon you to those evil desires. Um, It's kind of like, uh, you know, I was talking with Pastor Dave this morning, and it's kind of like, you know, when the check engine light comes on in your car and you're like, okay, I gotta, okay, I gotta take the car in. And then, you know, maybe a few days go by, a few weeks go by, like, oh man, I gotta take this thing in. And then more times go, goes by and and what do you do? Well, you do what anybody does. You take some electrical tape and you put it on the dash and just cover up the light. So it's like, perfect, great, problem solved. That was annoying. Um, But when the car breaks down, you're just like, oh, what a piece of junk. Like, what was this? Um, You know, eventually things start to catch up with you. There are consequences for actions. There's consequences uh, in good ways. As we looked at, like with God's word, reading God's word four times a week, you won't see any difference until that four times or more, all of a sudden it just spikes. The same way it works that as, as sin is in our life, that sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes we don't see what's happening right away. Um, you know, I think of how, um, I, think of this, I think of this story when, uh, when me and my brothers were in high school and we would come home after football practice, basketball practice or, or lifting and we would just be so hungry. We'd go in the kitchen and just grab anything. Didn't matter what it was. I remember like grabbing a donut and starting just like chow down. And my dad was just like, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating a donut. And he's like, you're putting dirt in your engine. And I'm like, just leave me alone, dad. You don't know what I've been through. No, I didn't really say that, but he was right. I was putting dirt in my engine. I didn't feel the effects right then and there, uh, but over time, it's, it's kind of like if, if you ate cheesecake once a year, you probably wouldn't feel too much effects from it. But if you ate cheesecake um, once every few hours, uh, that might start to change some things uh, in your life. Um, Just not saying, just saying. Uh, But sometimes we don't always see those changes immediately. Same way that like if I ate broccoli and you're just waiting for this six pack of abs to like, you know, make its way through here, you're like, 
well, what gives? Like, what's going on? That sometimes things take a while. There's a process that takes place. Um, and there's a payoff that, that happens here. Uh, sometimes what we crave has implications that will hurt us in the end. John MacArthur writes, we need to fight daily to break the habits of our former lives, training ourselves to hate our once cherished sins. God wants to do great work in us because sin has consequences. He sees what could happen here. So where is the gospel in all this? Where is Jesus in, in all of this? And worship team, you can make your way back to the stage. Joshua 23 starts out with Joshua calling all of the 12 tribes of Israel. He summons all 12 tribes. In the New Testament, you know, Joshua's giving his final words. In the New Testament, we see Jesus assembling all 12 disciples to give his final words before being crucified. John 14, 15, 16, He's predicting what's going to happen. Joshua's predicting that the Israelites will fall into idolatry and unfaithfulness. Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit will cause us to remember and obey everything that he commanded. In Joshua, God gives the people this homeland, this physical land. But in John 14, 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The homeland will be in us. It won't be a physical land. It will be an indwelling of the spirit. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. These are some of Jesus' final words before being crucified. John 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And John 15, 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Joshua, at the end of his talk, he, he talks about God's coming wrath that the people will perish because of disobedience. Jesus, in the New Testament, drank the full cup of God's wrath on the cross for us. Romans 5, 9 says, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him, by Christ, from the wrath of God? 1 Thessalonians 1, you turn to God from, from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There's a story of uh, two brothers and um, one brother uh, had uh, a history of moving violations and drunk driving and, and DUIs and uh, spent some time in, in jail because of that. And the other older brother uh, had a totally clean record. No moving violations, no nothing. Um, the younger brother with the record 
uh, was on probation and and one day he actually got pulled over and knowing that he was that he was speeding he he was thinking in his head I can't I can't go back to jail I can't do this there's no way and so um, rather than tell the truth and give him his driver's license he pretends to be the older brother who looked very similar and said I I don't have my license on me but my name is so-and-so and so the officer ran everything address and and said okay I'm going you know I'll give you a very um, um, very very um, can't think of the word I'm looking for but just ran through everything so I'm going to give you about an hour and then I'll meet you at your house to get your actual license to verify this um, and so he goes the younger brother goes back to the house go, finds the older brother and says I, I, I panicked I didn't know what to do I, I told him that I was you and that you know the, the cop is coming and I can't go back to I can't go back to to jail and so the older brother thought about it said well you you do deserve this you've done this yourself there's nobody to blame but you the older brother took out his wallet and gave him his license and while yes this younger brother lied this this younger brother went to the police officer gave him the license of the older brother obviously looking very similar in appearance and the older brother with no record no moving violations no drunk driving nothing spotless record took the payment took the punishment took the fine that he didn't deserve this is what Jesus does for us we deserved punishment we deserved there was a price we deserved what was due to us and yet God but Jesus stood in our place took on our sins that we committed the spotless lamb the sacrificial lamb of God took our place so we could be free so we could be made whole so we could find life and this is what Jesus does not just for a person that has grown up in church this is for the person that feels like they are so far gone there's no hope for them you don't know what I've been through you don't know what I've done you don't know what's been done to me Jesus says all of that can be washed away all of that can be made new all of that can be erased because I'm going to take on what should be for you I'm gonna pay that fine I'm gonna take that punishment for you don't you bow your heads with me in prayer you come
Thanks for joining us today for the latest news and encouraging words from Lighthouse. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Amazon Music. Just say, Alexa, play Come Alive podcast. I'm Pastor Dave O, and remember, we come alive through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to catch you next time on Come Alive. Come Alive.